Do you hear the people sing? Hello and welcome to the China Podcast. This episode is going out to you on the last day of April. Uh, we're all on holiday now, at least for a few days. Um, hold up now, let me retract that statement. Not all of us, but many nevertheless. Um, it's the Labor Day holiday. Labor Day in China officially falling on May 1st every year. That's tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Owen, any plans, um, any excursions outside the city lined up? Well, I, we've got five days off, including today, so yeah. four days off. Um, I've d- one or two things that I've been looking to do. Um, it all depends on the weather, and it does. Of course, is it? Yeah. And it depends on COVID as well. More importantly, yeah, yeah and, and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, well, I, I, I keep getting these messages to go and get my third job as well, so... Oh yeah. So I have to I have to get out of Chongqing City and get to get to Wanzhou to get my job. Okay. So yeah. that has to happen at some point. But I have That'll to have the, to be done. But I have to do the COVID test to get to the place to get the injection to and then get a COVID test to come back. Yeah. It's all a rigmarole. Isn't it? Um yeah, and that's that is the thing. We are limited in what we can do and, and how far we can travel. Um But we can we can go a hell of a lot further than somebody in Shanghai, let's like in Shanghai, yeah. we're we're lucky that we can go outside of our mm. own volition. You know, I can take a step outside and just go get some fresh air. Yeah, like we may be confined to Chongqing, the the province, but there's 26 million people in Shanghai confined to their apartments. Literally, um, yeah. and it's Shanghai that we want to completely focus on this week because a lot has gone. A, go- a lot has gone on, a lot has gone down in the three weeks since we last spoke about it. Yeah, I mean, the the shit has hit the fan um, in that time. Yep. Um, there was so much uncertainty in Shanghai when we last discussed it. Um, it was only really kicking off. But the situation since then has escalated to, to t- titanic proportions. And it's, a, it's an unstable situation as well. I mean, it makes the Wuhan lockdown two years ago seem relatively straightforward um the wuhan lockdown which was the first lockdown in the place where the virus originated first lockdown anywhere first, I would say. first lockdown anywhere that was 76 days um now for the people in shanghai they've they've already been there for 30 40 days um and you know so half of the time in the wuhan lockdown they've spent locked inside and they've getting little to no opportunities to just open the door and go for a wander if you give it another month then that'll be the same length of time mm-hmm. as the longest lockdown um, and right now there is no end in sight there are a number of factors which make the lockdown situation in shanghai that much worse or at least seem much worse and we'll get into them in more detail as we go but Mainly the whole ordeal was mismanaged by the city authorities, uh, which resulted in the poor circulation of food deliveries, mm-hmm. sporadic testing, yeah. a lack of proper quarantine facilities. Yeah. And there are some now who will argue against that point. But, uh, I mean, disused schools and, and cramped office space just don't cut it. Yeah, they, they're they not quarantine facilities. Like, that just takes the piss. It absolutely does. Um now, we only tiptoed around these issues in the last episode, but we're going to look into the bones of what has actually been going on in Shanghai. And without wanting really to speculate or project 
our own bias too much. Yeah, and that's hard. That's that is hard to do. It is. But we're going to try our best to keep it as balanced as we can. Um, we've got the facts. Um, they've all been sourced from social media in the form of visual documentation, first-hand accounts from the perspective of Shanghai netizens, um, and and the people who are living in this never-ending nightmare, shall we say. Yes. Um, in our last episode, we spoke mostly about the lack of food distribution in many areas of Shanghai. Um, we spoke about the bartering, the community togetherness, and that is people you know, trying to make the most of a, of a bad situation. Um, so how's that going? Like, Generally speaking, a lot better. Um, let's be truthful, it is. Yeah. Um, there are probably still a few fuck-ups here and there, but, but people for the most part are getting their food boxes delivered more regularly. Um, actually, on that, Owen, do you remember? Do you remember hampers being I a do, thing yeah. in Ireland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're talking like, especially in the form of raffle prizes, yeah, like for Christmas or Easter or other such uh, festivities. Yeah. Um, and you know that came to me just just now when I when I thought of these, you know, God knows how many food boxes that yeah, are yeah, going yeah. around Shanghai every day. Really, really, they remind you of like. The, the hampers that you used to see in the shop front, you know, by a... They take me back, but yeah. it, was, it was a happier happier yeah. scenario, like, not like now. They were they were a big thing in Ireland. Um, I can't speak for other countries because, of course, I only grew up in Ireland. But, yeah, I do. I remember they'd, they'd be packed with things like cheeses and crackers and jars of chutney and, you know, other such fineries. Mm. You might not normally get the jar of chutney. No, no. You know, there were the. You'd the, need a few extra euro in your pocket. You'd need a couple of euro in your pocket. Or pound, yeah. depending on how many years ago it was. Yeah. Um, and these food products, they'd all be um, sitting embedded in straw and yeah, wrapped would, yeah. with like fancy plastic just mm. to give it a better better effect. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's a. I imagine that's a far cry from the food parcels we've seen in Shanghai. Well,. Mostly the, the food is delivered in good condition. Um, the boxes, they're well sealed, they're well presentable when they get dropped off at the door. Um, or rather, yeah, the, they look right. the outside gate, not really yeah. the door. Um, someone has to, to take them in. Um, but at the same time, we have seen food boxes, the contents of which have been smashed. Fruit or vegetables gone rotten, meat yeah. too for that matter. Um or foods that are just simply sogging wet because they've been left out under the rain all day um, and not collected at the gate by the, the dab boys for reasons unknown. Yeah, and more on the dab boys later. Um, but first, let's consider what Shanghai represents to a global audience. Um, first of all, it's, it's highly developed. It's a futuristic city. It's a major player in the financial world. It hosts major sporting events and it's a huge draw for foreign talent and investors and companies who want to establish in China. As an outsider, when you think of what a modern day Chinese city skyline looks like, you instantly think of Shanghai. Um, you do, it, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it has a similar sort of an aura to like the Manhattan skyline. Mm. You know, it's, it's very, yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's very distinct mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of inspiring. But that Shanghai is that that inspirational Shanghai is kind of 
the aura of it is kind of fading somewhat in recent weeks with these events um shanghai has become a city in which the local economy has just came to a standstill um where people are confined to their homes and relying on food rations provided to them by their communities and the government medicine is in short supply um parents have been separated from their children um there was one instance where people were removed from their rented homes because the buildings were going to be turned into a quarantine uh refuge or a, a, a quarantine center mm. um and these things have all happened and any inkling of independence has ceased to exist um shanghai once a proud city proud optimistic city is quickly running out of optimism um it's kind of running out of energy but not running out of voice no in the early hours of april 14th chinese netizens on the social media platform weibo seized a window of opportunity to unleash their wrath on how the lockdown was handled in addition to other social issues of course um what they did was to occupy the hashtag US is the biggest country of human rights deficit. Uh, and they did this in so that they could vent their anger at the state. This hashtag about America is such an example where the foreign country in question was used to deflect from the growing crisis at home. People were fed up of this. Many comments were delivered sarcastically, where users would intentionally replace the word China with the US so as to avoid the censors. Which is a clever way of getting around them. It really was, yeah. And other criticism drew on either past or ongoing domestic issues, such as the demanding 996 work culture. Uh, that is where people in certain sectors work from 9 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock at night, six days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, others brought up high housing prices, recent scandals and more. Yeah, they were basically... Laying it all out at the doorstep and then just letting them have it. Which is an interesting change in attitude, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, this is new, or at least it's one of the very rare occasions where I've come across anything like this. And there were others too who didn't shy away from being more direct, blasting state media for always banging on about what's happening abroad while ignoring local problems. Yeah, it sounds like a movement based on solidarity, which is in stark contrast to two years ago you see um what the chinese people value above all else is safety and security so the immediate response to the covid outbreak in 2020 it gained widespread support because people were united and rightly so yeah i mean wuhan when it got locked down nobody seemed to disagree nobody did disagree everybody agreed and nobody disagreed nobody needed convincing to wear a face mask yeah it was just something you did um the covid response of 2020 it was a huge pr win for beijing um why because people were protected yeah and this time around it's different um people are are claiming that the government is overreacting to um what is a milder strain of the disease yeah more infectious but ultimately it's milder um and this all takes us to april 23rd when a short film entitled voices of april 
documenting the sound bites of Shanghai's lockdown. Uh, it was released across various Chinese social media platforms. Um, what took place was effectively a virtual battle between netizens and the censors. Uh, the video was repeatedly saved and distributed as a form of protest. Such persistence and resistance in mainland China hadn't been seen in such a long, long time, according to one social media user. The video captured voices of frustration, pleas for help, truth and lies, as well as moments of empathy and despair. It was quite a harrowing watch and I think it's it's worth highlighting some of what was said. So <coughs> let's start with the very first day of April. Yeah, so this is a call between the Pudong CDC director and a resident in which the latter was told that there were no ambulances and no vacancies at hospitals and people were encouraged not to complain to the authorities. April 2nd, truck drivers delivering essential supplies couldn't find any authorities to respond to having gone the entire day without water to drink. April the 3rd, a residential committee member asked for some guidance on the current policy from higher authorities. April 6th, a corgi was beaten to death by a dabai as its owner was being transferred to a centralised quarantine centre having tested positive. <laughs> and April 7th, an account of kind police officers helping to deliver food in one neighbourhood. Also April 7th, a resident's father was denied medical treatment. The voice declares, You are also brought into the world by your parents. Look at yourself. Is this something that human, human beings would do? April the 8th, a cancer patient who had just completed their chemotherapy wasn't allowed to enter their own compound. The same day, Songjiang district shouts of, Distribute supplies, distribute supplies, distribute supplies. Still the same day, one man went out of his way to bring food to a contractor who was trapped in the building uh, in the building that he was working on. The man said, at first I was afraid of the virus, then I thought viruses won't kill you, but hunger will kill me. And that's actually a thing, by the way. People are more afraid of being sent to a quarantine camp than of the virus itself, which leads us to the next day, April 9th people were forcibly transferred to a centralised quarantine centre that wasn't even built. They had to scramble and fight each other for food and bedding. Most people, in particular the elderly, couldn't get any. And this emphasised yet again another feat of solidarity. The censors simply couldn't keep up with the millions upon millions of video shares highlighting the misery of Shanghai residents. Um, so many of them we're at breaking point. And many have united behind the song Do You Hear the People Sing from the Le Miserable musical. There was a video of someone playing it on the trombone out the window of their apartment. Yeah, clearly some people are not controlling their soul's desire for freedom well enough. No, they're not, no. <laughs> um, where's that drone with the loudspeaker when we need it? Yeah, where is that drone? Bring it back, bring, bring that drone back. I imagine it's still flying around. Oh, the, the impotence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, this particular individual, uh, he he was playing it on his trom his or her trombone in in fits and starts, while some neighbours decided to spontaneously join in by whistling along. Yeah, 
There was one guy too that was praised on WeChat for having shouted out of his window at visiting party officials, letting them know that the people in his building were unable to get food and weren't being told what was going on. Here was one individual speaking up on behalf of an entire community. Um, it hasn't all been civil though within some communities. Hearing of a positive case nearby instills fear in people. And if you're in a building where somebody tests positive, that's an automatic 14 more days of isolation and multiple PCR tests added on top of your current stint, which is what happened to me two years ago. Yeah. I've got an extra two weeks because of a, a guy on the fourth floor. Yeah, and I imagine that's not nice. No. Especially when you're anticipating getting out, anticipating getting, getting, getting out, out for a yeah. walk, looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, oh, let's do it all again. Let's do it all again, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, besides the usual squabbles you'd expect over what food is what food is deemed as essential and non-essential, um, there have been reports of neighbours denouncing each other in public forums over things like someone not going for their PCR test or someone else trying to sneak out for food. There have been cases of residents calling the police because they saw someone outside their apartment in the corridor or witnessed people conversing in groups. Yeah. All of this bears an uncanny resemblance um, between the whole positive suspicious of now and the intellectual bourgeois of the 1960s during the cultural revolution um come here speaking of non-essential produce didn't one foreign guy order multiple cases of water for his compound only to be told that he wasn't allowed to order water again as it was deemed non-essential that happened yes <laughs> now Think about this for a fucking second. Right. Essential, non-essential. Water, labelled as non-essential. Fucking hell. It's crazy. It's insane. It's surreal. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, well, there, there has been more than one case of bizarre happenings, you know, like from the quirky to the to downright just mind-blowing like yeah. like with the water um there was a screenshot posted somewhere of a message addressed to one residential area reminding people to limit their intake as in eating less so that they could limit their outtake shitting less indeed and this <laughs> <laughs> and this is all because the usual community operations, like the the general maintenance yeah. of things, it has all come or had all come at least to a to a to a halt to a standstill at that point. Yeah, you need to get a like a, a black market plumber in if you, you take a particularly large dump. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, another one is the is the black markets um, and the stealth markets. Yeah, um, yeah. Now WeChat buying groups have become. Um, become one of the best ways to to get your food quicker. Yeah. Um, you pay in advance and you get your food later. But if you're really stuck and you need to have something immediately, you might have to pay through the nose. And this is through black markets essentially, which are operating out of people's apartments. If you want coke, it's sold at twice the price, and dried mangoes, three or four times the original value. 
Coke does Coca Cola, yeah. Coca Cola, not the other stuff. Not the other stuff. Okay, can't get that. You get shot for that. Yeah, but it's it's something that might be acquired through the black market. It might be. You know, just yeah. just checking, just just make sure. Yeah, well, that it was Coca Cola. I've yet to see it in China. <laughs> I swear to God, you never will. Never will. You never will. Yeah. Um, and the stealth markets are for those who've done their time at home and they're allowed out on the street. Um, but there have been photos of shop owners uh, lifting up the shutters of their stores by, by a foot or two off the ground in the dead of night and selling whatever produce, mainly fruit and vegetables, just simple stuff um, that they have packed on the floor inside. Yeah. It's like they're, they're reaching under the shutter, they're reaching under the pulling shutter. out whatever someone needs yeah. and that someone just bags it and, and, and runs. I've I've seen it, yeah. I've seen it, yeah. And that should have, you know, just up and down, up and down. Quick. You get a five minute window, probably. Yeah, that's it. it's a there's little, no one on the street. No one on the street. It's two a.m., three a.m. in the morning. Door goes up, and then all of a sudden you have a banana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth, though. Like, and you're happy as Larry with your banana. Oh yeah, you're gonna make a <clears> smoothie if you can get some milk. Um, yeah, but I hope the dad boys don't catch them doing that sort of stuff. You know. Yes, yeah, the da boys, or the big whites, as they're called um, in China, named after a character in Disney's Big Hero 6 film. But who are they? Who are the da boys, and how much manpower is required to manage Shanghai? Da boys are those people that you see dressed in the full white hazmat suit, and all, all the gear. Um, they can be seen at outdoor testing facilities, they can be seen sleeping under pavilions in yeah, the rain, that, yeah. playing under phones because there's nothing else going on, um, or just walking about annoying people, you know, ordering them around with their loudspeakers. Did you see them? Did you? I didn't. I have to send you this video. Um, there was a little bit of a uh, windstorm, a little bit of a tropical storm in Shanghai. Oh, yeah. All the pavilions just blew away. And all away. the pavilions just blew away. And you can see all the dabbies just trying to hold on to this uh, testing centre outside yeah. of some community. Yeah. And went, no, the wind was too strong, it just flew away. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the loudspeakers, this, this, had to be, this has to be a skit. Yeah. This, this, I, I think this has got to be bored dabbies, right? Yeah. But there was a chicken. <laughs> I love there it was, already. There was, there was a chicken on the road. Yeah. And a da boy went over to the chicken with the loudspeaker to tell yeah. it to kind of move on. <laughs> no loitering. No loitering. Had to be a skit. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it has, yeah, it has yeah. to be a skit. Has to be. Um, but the da boys, like, they're, they're not seen by Shanghai residents in the same heroic light as those frontline, same frontline front workers of, of two years ago in Wuhan. Um, they're very much despised because of what they've now come to represent. Yeah, so <clears throat> many Dabais are made up of migrant workers. Um, they're rural migrants who've been hired by agencies dealing with COVID control. Um, this, by the way, is the only real sector that's growing in China these days. They number in their tens of thousands. They travel the length and breadth of the country as health workers with the tasks of periodically enforcing lockdowns um, staffing isolation wards state isolation wards and running mass testing campaigns um, 
for decades, China's economy has relied on migrant workers or the country's floating population, as they're known to Chinese policymakers. There are some 300 million of them um, who drift from city to city in search of work, ranging from construction to factory assembly, um, even food delivery and things like that. These are the people who have assembled all your smartphones and built China's most stunning skyscrapers. But due to the economic downturn of the last two years, these migrant workers have joined the ranks of the Dabai. They are usually trained by other volunteers, usually people not overly familiar with the procedures involved. And as we said, tens of thousands of these workers are essential to implementing COVID policy. They float from lockdown to lockdown, filling the vacancy wherever needed. This sporadic, sometimes hazardous work leaves them vulnerable to avaricious employment agencies. Although they enjoy few legal protections and, and whatnot, they they've often have few other employment opportunities, especially now with lockdowns having been imposed in, in, in one shape or another in 45 Chinese cities, as yeah. we speak. Yeah, 45, yeah. And because of China's ongoing strict pandemic measures, anyone associated with COVID prevention work literally becomes untouchable. After weeks on the job, they're kept apart um, in quarantine for at least two more weeks. And if they're lucky, they'll get paid for the privilege once the job expires. Did you see that video of the huge group of them set to the Star Wars Stormtroopers music? I wish I had. I wish I had. Yeah. uh, Someone a few stories up in their building is filming as the gates of a compound are opened. And you see what must be a hundred of these these big whites come marching in to the residential area in their full gear. (laughs) And then you hear the... That music from Star Wars, yeah. which is just meant to strike fear into you. Yeah, um, it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I, I want people to think like think of Squid Games for a minute. Like, you know, the Korean mystery drama that everyone went wild for when it was released. Um, if you've seen it, you'll remember the large room in which the contestants they sleep with the the pale, bright factory floor lights, which are kept turned on until bedtime. This hangar-like space is echoed in some of these uh, quarantine facilities. This, yeah, this is except the the lights in this case are left on twenty four seven. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like torture. It is. Yeah, um, I did, wouldn't sleep. I wouldn't be. I, did, did, they did some research into like into you know leaving the, a light on for 24 hours what it would do to your brain what it would do to your brain it's then lads nuts yeah imagine um, two weeks of that yeah can or, you imagine or longer can you imagine mm. um and these these lights are left on and these facilities are are gigantic spaces that you know can house two thousand people um with you know a couple of toilets <laughs> Or Portaloos for that yeah. festival experience. Oh yeah, they, now they are they are horrible places. Festival <laughs> Portaloos. Yeah. And more isolation facilities have been ordered for construction right across the country. What does that tell you about the future of dynamic zero COVID? It tells me that they're 
they're not going to shift from the policy anytime soon. Which is interesting because almost every other country in Southeast Asia has eased their restrictions to the point where, where things are becoming more normal. Vietnam has moved away from the zero COVID. Uh, Thailand is reopening. India too. And sure, they were in the shits for a long time too. Yeah, India was getting a terrible. Um, and now Taiwan is on the brink of reopening. Um, they are transitioning from zero COVID to accepting how to live with the virus. Yeah. This decision has been backed by high vaccination rate and has been promoted by government as the new Taiwan model. The Taiwan Premier, Su Tseng Chang, has assured the populace <coughs> that they will not shut down the economy, unlike in Shanghai. Yeah, and this is despite dealing with a surge in local cases since the beginning of the year. Taiwan has had over 18,000 cases since the 1st of January um, in a population of 23 million people. Those numbers are comparable to Shanghai. Um, now, Sue said that more vaccines and rapid antigen testing uh, has been ordered to help Taiwan cope with the uptick in infections so that they're prepared to adequately um, reopen gradually while reducing the amount of time those with COVID or their contacts have to spend in quarantine. Yeah, and the government has already cut the quarantine for all arrivals to Taiwan from two weeks to 10 days. Um, and it's even looking into further reducing that time frame. This decision by Taiwan leaves China, including Hong Kong, as the only major economy still sticking to the zero COVID strategy, even as Omicron dismantles those defences. It's as if the Communist Party have pinned their colours to the zero COVID mast and they're not retreating, they're not budging. Yeah, that's what Xi Jinping... No matter what happens. No matter what happens, no retreat, no surrender. Um, They've made the decision and that's what what they're going to do. And Xi Jinping, he said as much recently, um, despite uh, medical experts uh, coming out and suggesting alternatives and questioning the legitimacy behind the continual pursuit of the zero COVID policy. So, where where do we stand now? Shanghai is a city of positives and negatives, the haves and the have-nots, those who have tested positive for COVID and those who haven't. The lockdown has reduced Shanghai residents to those two labels. These people are going through a once-in-a-lifetime experience centred around planned provision, a barter economy, starvation in extreme cases, wartime anxiety and just so much uncertainty. Citizens have begun questioning how their beloved city has fallen from grace in the blink of an eye amongst such anguish. Anger and frustrations spill over onto social media with articles and videos being shared millions of times over before being brutally deleted by censors. Two things have happened in the past week. The first is that more and more people have been allowed to leave their apartments, but usually not permitted to go that far, um, or told to remain within the boundaries of their compounds. Uh, And this is usually the case. Um, On the other hand, and this is the second thing, many areas of the city are enduring worsening conditions. 
as they are literally caged into their buildings by green fencing that is being erected across the city. It's surreal. <coughs> yeah, it is. And now, and now Beijing could be facing the prospect of a similar lockdown. Um, every school has closed and the people are emptying the supermarkets of the food of all food um, in the dreaded anticipation of a lockdown. Um, and this is the essence of living in China. It's a feeling that's new and a feeling that's old. Um, that being the constant anxiety of huge, abrupt changes to society that are so completely beyond individual control. There have been minor confrontations between ordinary people and the authorities, but ultimately, most have now resigned themselves to the fact that they're getting caught up in this for the long haul. You know, we were drinking in our local bar a few week weekends back, if you remember, yeah. and the Australian Formula One Grand Prix yeah. was on the telly. Um, it was coming from Melbourne, having been cancelled the previous two years. Yeah. And that particular weekend was record-breaking in terms of sport in the city. Yeah. Um, the place was hopping. People were enjoying themselves. They were having a celebration of sorts. Um, and the Aussie Rules was on as well. Yeah, same same weekend. 94,000 people watched that game. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was watching all this... And the first thing that, that struck me, like that there wasn't a single face mask in sight. No. Most all these people, and you know, the, the Formula One brings 200,000 yeah. people, right? Yeah. Not a single person has a face mask. It's as if people have moved on. They've been vaccinated. Some of them have even received their boosters. Yeah. Some of them are probably waiting for another booster. Yeah. Um, they don't want to remain stuck in a never-ending, depressing cycle. Yeah, this is true. This is true. And those scenes in, in Melbourne, because in our local bar, multiple TVs and on sport on all the TVs and everything yeah. was in Melbourne. Yeah. Everything was in Melbourne. Yeah, it was the weird. Aussie rules on, on one yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. The F1 and, was on the other. And those <clears> scenes, they were just com completely at odds to Shanghai and other cities in China. Yeah. There was, there was an optimism or more of a release of joy that said, we've put this behind us and we want to go on living. Um, it was really nice to see, actually. And it, yeah, does give it, me, it does give me hope that even here in China, the situation will improve. Yeah, uh, we can only watch this space. Yeah. That's, well, that's what we can hope for. That's what we can hope for. Uh, at best. Yeah. Um, let's call that a wrap. Yeah. Uh, I know this episode was, you know, quite heavy going. Um, but we felt this is relevant to now. But sometimes, um, so, sometimes, sometimes something pops up, and we have to talk about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Because there's twi there's 26 million people locked in their locked in their houses. Yeah, and we would be remiss if we didn't. And there's not a lot of ways to put it put a nice spin on it because it's not enjoyable. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we have to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and it's something that people want to hear about. It's something that people want to know about, want us to do all this or to, to tell us, tell you about this sort of stuff. Absolutely. So with that, um, thank you as ever for listening. Um, we'll talk to you next time. Toodles.
。其实这样，我话说，我有时候我呢，我很长，我不瞎比比，我有时候一天都不说一句话。我不说话就是蛮狠的了，我,我不说话就是磨刀，我晓不得？嗯，磨刀。那那已经都磨刀了。所以说，社会上的都做了我的女朋友，不可能，我的意思。你不晓得别人是磨刀。